Good evening. It is great to be with you tonight. Thank you very, very much for being a part of our Spiritual Enrichment 2024. We are blessed here at Azalea City to be able to host this. And I am also so thankful for, as David pointed out, the vision of Brother Black and I know Brother Lambert over the years and David and such, Alan as well, to pick up the ball and run with it so that this is still continuing. COVID stole it away from us for a couple years, and so I am so thankful that's behind us. I'm so thankful that we have the opportunity to gather. You know, as we break out this theme throughout the week, um, throughout our lessons, throughout our singing, and Joseph and Steve, you just did a phenomenal job, and we appreciate you guys. But as we continue to develop this theme, it is our goal as we plan this year to truly behold our God. Here's why. If we behold our God the way we should behold our God, then we as preachers don't have to preach on attendance anymore. We don't have to debate is Sunday school biblical or not. We don't have to debate should we read our Bibles or not. We, if we know who God is and we truly appreciate and love who God is, then those things are not questions anymore. When we got together, we being David, Allen, Justin, Taylor, and myself, at the Holy Place Cracker Barrel, where all of our planning meetings happen, we were able to sit down and come up with this theme. As we pitched the theme, it was well-received, and then Alan said, it's Psalm 33.8. As we open up, I want to share with you Psalm 33, beginning in verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right, and all His work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. That's what we're doing this week. We as inhabitants of this earth, as brothers and sisters of the kingdom of God, we will stand in awe of our God. As my children were growing up, we would have, and and they're still growing up, but we would have in-home devotionals. And one of our favorite in-home devotionals that we do at home or we may do in the car on the way to church or whatever it may be, is to say, how have you seen God today? The reason we like that devotional is because it puts us in the mindset of looking for God. Well, I want you to know, brothers, sisters, I see God in you. I see God in the church in Mobile, Alabama. I see God in the surrounding areas. Why? Because I know that His grace, His truth, His love is being taught. And I am so thankful for all of you. 
But just in case, and I know in a crowd like tonight when, when we have all given up whatever we are doing to be here to worship together, there are a lot of folks that are already standing in awe of God. But just in case, I want us to think about what Paul encountered in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 22, Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, Him I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything, since He gives to all life, breath, and all things. And He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising Him from the dead. Can't you see the scene? As Paul stands there in the middle of Mars Hill, he looks around and he sees silver and gold and man-made things that these people are worshiping. But then he comes across one that just in case they left one out, just in case they, there's this God that they don't know about, they have an inscription that says, To the unknown God, Paul right there says, Therefore the one whom you worship without knowing, Him I proclaim to you. Friends, tonight my goal is for I to proclaim. Him to you. Who is God? Who is God? Now I know for us in here, that's probably an easy answer. But as we truly think and as we meditate on the question, who is God? We have to think about how do we know God? How do we know that God exists? Could we use different things in nature uh, that, that would prove that design demands a designer, moral law demands a moral lawgiver, yes. But we can get even uh, closer to, to things of, of simple nature than that. Here's what we can say. There are two ways we can know who God is tonight. Really three if you look at it. But number one is through natural revelation. 
What has God created around us? Uh, when we were coming in tonight, I, I was here a little bit earlier than the sunset, but one of our elders here came up to me and he said, man, that sunset out there, behold our God. So when we look at sunsets or we look at sunrises or, or you sit out on the water somewhere or on the beach somewhere or in nature somewhere, wherever your spot is, through divine revelation, it is no accident that those things are there. So we know who God is through, through natural revelation. The second way is, I've already said it, through divine revelation. What is divine revelation? Well, obviously it could be through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you see me, you have seen the Father. And so we understand that through Jesus Christ, we can see God, but it's also through His Holy Word. And so what we want to do tonight is open His Holy Word. And we want to truly see who God said He was. According to the Scriptures, who does God Himself say He is? You see, we can define who God is by reading about who God says He is. In Isaiah chapter 45, beginning in verse 5, going through verse 6, here is what Isaiah was told to record. I am the Lord. Now, it's interesting to note there, the, the Hebrew word for Lord would be Jehovah. Uh, I mean, it, it translates into Jehovah. And there is no other, there is no God that's Elohim besides me. I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. There is no other God, which is generic there, Elohim, besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. You see, here as he's telling Isaiah, he's telling Isaiah, I want you to understand I'm Jehovah. That's my proper name. I am the only living God. And so as I think about that and as I ponder on that, it, you know, it even makes me uh, say things like, and I said it in class and in the sermon this morning here, that as I, I talk about God, I, you know, I talk about there is no other God like our God, and that is true, but He is really only the only God. The rest of those things are stones or statues or foreign objects. They are not God. He is God, and that's why we should behold Him. That's why we should stand in awe of Him, because He is the only God. The God of the Bible is the only true God. He is set far apart from all other gods. Who is God? He is a jealous God who wants to protect His honor and wants His children to have an abundant life and not be deceived by false gods who bring confusion, rebellion, and unbelief into this world. Jehovah is independent. Jehovah is self-sufficient, and Jehovah is self-existent. Jehovah is eternal. He was never created and never came into being. He has always been. He is the great I Am. He is the supreme creator from whom all has 
come. So when I look at Scripture and I see what God says about Him, we chose Isaiah tonight. We could chose, choose a lot of things, and we'll talk about more Scriptures in a moment. But as I look at who God is, it reminds us that He says, Hey, I am the only one. In fact, as He's giving the written law uh, on the Ten Commandments, you recall that the first one is, You shall have no other gods before Me. Why? Because I'm Jehovah. Stand in awe of me. Who is God? He is also the omni-God. My lesson tonight is God is our all. He is our all. And so as I think about that, I think about the omnis. The word omni means all. And there are attributes of God that the omnis are. For instance, there is omnipotence, there is omnipresence, and there is omniscience. God being omnipotent is knowing that the first part of this means all. Well, the second part of that, potence, means powerful. So when we put those two together, God is all-powerful. Omnipotence refers to the awesome power of God. God is all-powerful. He's more powerful than anything or anything else in the entire universe. As I was teaching a lesson about this, by the way, our theme at Azalea City is also Behold Our God. So I've been teaching this throughout the year in our classes here. And so as I, teach this, I taught this earlier, I was thinking about one time when, when I went up, and you'll recall if you've been around in this area long enough, those tornadoes that went through Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or that tornado that went through Tuscaloosa, Alabama that stayed on the ground for so long, did so much devastating uh, devastation that we went up there as a group at, at, from Azalea City, and I can recall being at one of the church buildings and looking at those steel beams and seeing that that wind just took those steel beams and twisted them off like they were popsicle sticks. And I think about how powerful that wind was. But then I think about God is the one who created that wind. You see, God is all-powerful. He is the Almighty. The prophet Jeremiah talked about God's power a lot in his writings. He called Him the Lord Almighty. In Jeremiah 32, verse 17, he says this, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your what? Great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Now, if we truly behold our God and behold His power, then we ought to leave here tonight with no fears because we know that there is nothing too hard for our God. But Jehovah is also omnipresent. What does that mean? Where the word omni is all. The second part of that is present. We put it together and He is always present. Psalm 139 is a great psalm and, and I would suggest that you study that on your own in your own Bible readings and Bible studies as you look and see truly how great God is. But in Psalm 139, 5 and 6, uh, we have these words, You have hedged me. Literally, that means secured me, besieged me, enclosed me behind and before. You have done all those things. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand, that is literally power, upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot obtain it. I do not understand how God can be here and He can be where two or more gathered down the street or down the road or in a home or wherever it may be. Or, or if we all bowed our heads in prayer and we prayed silently that He would hear our prayers and He'd answer them the way He knows best. I do not understand how that works, but I sure am thankful it does. And I sure am thankful that we serve the all-powerful, all-present God. But He's also omniscient. What does that mean? Well, it is spelled omniscience. You want to talk to people that say uh, science this and science that? Well, I want you to know that God is the ultimate scientist. God, He knows everything there is to know about science, but it's more than being all science, okay? The word science comes from the Latin word that means to know or knowing. So when we talk about God's omniscience, we are saying that God is all-knowing. He's all-knowing. That means that God knows everything there is to know. He knows our thoughts before we think them. He knows our words before we say them. He knows our actions before we do them. He knows what's going to happen. He knows exactly. It didn't take Him by surprise when sin entered this world. He had a scheme of redemption planned out. He didn't start it right there. It just went into motion at that moment because God is all-knowing. Nothing has taken Him from, by surprise. In fact, Psalm 139, 1 through 4, O Lord, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For as there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Behold, our God is all. He is all powerful. He is all present. He is all knowing. He is our all in all. But that's not all. God is our all, and He's so much more. In Exodus chapter 3, in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, we're going to read that in just a moment. But you'll recall there, God has heard the cry of His people. There had arisen a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph in Exodus 1 and 2, throughout 3 and following. Therefore, you can put together, since Joseph knew Jehovah, there was a Pharaoh that had been raised that did not know Jehovah. And because Pharaoh did not know Jehovah, he didn't care that they were God's people or not. Because Pharaoh was his own God. He was on his own throne. And so because of that, he had enslaved the Hebrew people. And you'll recall that the Hebrew people were, were producing so fast that he, he made that command that, hey, we've got to kill these babies, boys, so that we can stop this, so that they don't raise up this army. And so God had this great plan, right? I'm going to get Moses. I'm going to have Moses, this baby Moses, and I'm going to float him down the river the same time Pharaoh's daughter comes out to bathe. That's not a coincidence, by the way. And she's going to take this baby. She's going to raise this baby. 
Mom's going to get to nurse this baby. Everything's going to be great. He's going to grow up in Pharaoh's court, and he's going to say, hey, brother, because at that point it'd probably be his brother, right? Hey, why don't you just let all these Hebrews go? He's going to say, brother, I love you. It's going to be this big happy reunion, and that was going to be the case. But Moses messed it up because he let his temper get the best of him, right? He loved his people, and there he saw his people being mistreated, but he took it a step further, and he killed this Egyptian. Then he tried to cover it up. Well, you can't cover up sin. You can't get away with it. And so he was found out, and so he fled. But see, God still used that situation because as Moses went down to Midian and he met Jethro, Jethro had what? A bunch of sheep. And so what did he need? He needed somebody to shepherd these sheep. You see, Moses went from Pharaoh's court to a shepherd, but he learned how to lead. And he led those sheep to the mountain of God. And at the mountain of God, he experienced God. He experienced Jehovah. You'll recall the story, right? There was a bush that was on fire, but it was not being consumed. Moses, this is a spectacular scene, and so he doesn't want to look and all these things, and finally the voice says, take off your sandals for where you're standing is holy ground. Why? Because the God of everything was right there, the presence of Him. And so he, as you know, the story goes, God convinces him, tries to convince him to go to Pharaoh and say, let these people go. And I want to pick up in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What is his name? What shall I say to them? Well, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Now, as you think about that, it makes sense to me. It, it may not make sense to everyone, but I can, I can kind of understand Moses here. Remember now, he's grown up in, in Egypt where they have a bunch of little g-gods. They're not real. They're not alive. They're not Jehovah, but they are what they call gods. And so with that, they had names. And so Moses is just thinking, hey, they have names, so you're a God, so what do I, who do I tell them, you're, what's your name? You remember they had gods like Ogmen, which was the concealed God, Ptah, which is the revealer, Ra, the swift, and he's like, what is your name? And I love what God said. He said, you tell him, I am that I am. I am that I am. What did he mean by that? He said, you tell them that I am existent. I alone am all of existence. That's literally what he was telling them. See, those gods are dead, Moses. In fact, he's going to go on and send ten plagues 
to those gods and attack those gods because Pharaoh arrogantly asked the question, Who is the Lord? God said, I will show you who I am. And he attacked their gods through those plagues. But right here, Moses just wants to know, Who do I say sent me? He said, You tell them existence sent you. Because of God, everything has come into existence. That's the one who's sending you. You know, as Moses, I'm sorry, as Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray in that model prayer, he talked about, hallowed be your name. So when I think about hallowed be God's name, what does that mean? To hallow a thing is to make it holy or to set it apart, to be exalted as being worthy of absolute devotion. To hallow the name of God is to regard Him with complete devotion and loving admiration. God's name is of the utmost importance, Nehemiah 9 verse 5. Therefore, we ought to reserve it to a position of major significance in our minds and hearts. We've got to hallow God's name. We should take his, never take His name lightly. Exodus 20, verse 7. Leviticus 22, verse 32. But we should always rejoice in God's name and truly understand who He really is. Who is God? God is Jehovah. God is our all. He is our all in all. But He's even more. As I think about this question again, who is God? He tells us again exactly who He is. He says, I am El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. And he says it seven times. He says, I am El Elyon, the Most High God. And he said it 28 times. He said, I am Adonai, Lord Master. And he said it 434 times. He said, I am Yahweh, which is Lord or Jehovah, 6,000 times. 519 times. He said, I am Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner, in Exodus chapter 17, verse 15. He said, I am Jehovah Ra'ah, which is the Lord my shepherd, in Psalm 23. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, in Exodus 15, 26. He, is, he said, I am Jehovah Shammah, which is the Lord is there, in Exodus 48, 35. He said, I am Jehovah Sitkana, the Lord our righteousness, and he said that too times. He said, I'm Jehovah Makadash, the Lord who sanctifies you two times. He said, I am El Olam, the everlasting God in Genesis 21-23. He said, I am Elohim, God, judge or creator over 2,000 times. He said, I am Kenah, which is jealous over six times. He said, I am Jehovah Yirah, the Lord will provide in Genesis 22-14. He said, I am Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace in Judges 6-24. And he said, I am Jehovah Sabah, the Lord of hosts. And he said it 285 times. He's more 
than just God. He's all of those names and so much more. That's why the psalmist said, let all the inhabitants of the earth stand in awe of Him. He is the creator of all things. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing. He is holy. He is just. He is sovereign. He is righteous. He is truth. He is love. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is our Healer. He is our Provider. He is our Protector. He is our Wise Counselor. He is our strength in every weakness. He is merciful to us, faithful, patient, compassionate, and gracious. Gracious. He is our hope, our peace, and our joy. He is our all. As Paul encountered all those gods in Mars Hill in Acts 17, Jehovah was unknown. They had the placard for him, the place for him, but they didn't know him. See, we can know God and not know God. We can know enough to get by at work, for an exam, and still not know the subject matter. There are a lot of people today that will claim to know God, and they have no idea who God really is. Our churches would be full. They'd be overflowing. We'd have to build bigger buildings if people truly stood in awe of Jehovah. The question we have to come to now is this. Do you know God? In your life, Is He the unknown God? Or do you truly know God? It reminds me of my children. And you can relate to this if you've had children learn how to swim. At first, they were a little bit scared of the water. And so what they would do is they would get to the edge and just kind of back away. They might have all those floating devices and everything else. I mean, we got everything on it. They're not even going to get wet. But, but they still don't jump in. Why? Because they, they, they're afraid. But then the father gets in the pool. And the father says, hey, jump to me. I'll catch you. And next thing you know, they're running and they're jumping into the Father's arms. Jehovah, our Father, He's standing in the water. Let me give you one better. He's standing on the water. Tonight, if you do not know Him, you can jump in. You can be immersed in water for the forgiveness of every sin you've ever committed 
You can get to know the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. Tonight, please understand, God is all we will ever need and more. If you have a need, won't you come right now together? We stand and sing.